Well, hello. I'm well, trying to match your, your bassiness. <laughs> Don't you even try. <laughs> Thanks for covering last week. And yeah. My apologies on air for the last minute uh, switch up. It's fine. <laughs> it's not like I've never done that to you. I was in California. I actually had a, a funeral I was attending. So it was kind of a last minute trip. And oh. then, uh, well, now I feel like the, a jerk. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to give it back to you for flaming me on air. Uh, oh and then my wife uh, actually booked the ticket. So I, I like was not super aware of timing of things. And then I kind of got caught by a, a time zone, uh, uh, time zone bug in my head. So, gotcha. so my apologies. All good. And then, yeah. Per- wow. Way to make me feel guilty about it. No, it's, <laughs> it's, this is, yeah, I'm making this your fault, by the way. I'm reframing this whole, this whole thing. No, we, it was good. We had a good chat. It was nice to have Adam on as in a co-host capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I just listened to it today. I thought it was a really good episode. Thanks. Yeah. I thought we did all right. Yeah. It's like he's podcasted before or something. It's, I don't know. Yeah. He's not a newbie <laughs> on the mic. Mm-hmm. It's nice when the conversation feels like a conversation and not like, mm-hmm. let's have a conversation for the sake of a podcast. Right. And I feel like yeah. we, we hit that goal, which is cool. Yeah. I think it's um, it's a tricky thing to do. We were just talking about before we hit record that like that can be difficult, especially with guests sometimes to get it to, to feel flowy. And I guess it probably it probably did take us a little while to get there, too. Um, yeah. On this podcast, you know. Yeah. I used to have tricks for this that I would use in the giant robots days. Like my go to was I would we would record locally. And I would just be like, I would start with so like the pre-show talking to them. And then I would just kind of keep asking them questions. And like 15 minutes in, they'd be like, is this the podcast? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the podcast. <laughs> well, I've it's been, been the podcast. This whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and they would great. go, oh. And that was kind of nice because there was never like a, hi, I'm Ben and welcome to this podcast. And today we're joined by, like they just, that like, I think like causes people to like activate this like performance mode. Whereas if I just kind of tricked them into recording the first half of the podcast, it worked. Yeah, for the longest time when I would guest on shows and stuff, that was always the most tense part for me. When it was like, okay, all right, well, here we go, let's do this, and then let's hit Mm -hmm. the the record button. Yeah, I've ranted here about the like introduce yourself thing, right? Yes, I think you've talked about that, Derek. Tell us, tell us a incredibly well summarized and pithy version of your life right now. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I know. And that's the part that's always most rehearsed because you're like, well, I don't want to screw that part up, like like yeah. giving my my elevator pitch for myself or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I get that, I just want to underplay it. I want to be like, uh, I'm Ben and I uh, program uh, computers yep. sometimes. <laughs> Leave the host in a lurch. Or, what mm-hmm. do I go next? Mm-hmm. Um, and my, se- my second least favorite is at the end of a show when they're like, so any any other like very interesting thoughts you want to share and it's like <laughs> yeah, right. it's like i always feel the need to like say something more but then it's like <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> any off the cuff but incredibly insightful things you wanted to tell mm-hmm. us <laughs> yeah right now that's kind of the implicit uh implicit ask <laughs> brutal we gotta we gotta stop that podcasters yeah introduce the guests for them yeah introduce your own guests that's how i feel about it yeah. you did that last week with uh or a couple weeks ago with shane yeah, yeah, and I, I thought about you when I did it. I was like, no, I I'm heard gonna, it. I'm gonna flip this around. Nice. Yep. I, I guess my ranting has some positive outcomes, it, at least on me, Ben. At least on me. Uh, I appreciate that you're listening. Yes. This, this this whole podcast is just me talking to you. So I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. no one will hear this. Hmm. So we have our hundredth episode coming up. This is 99 right now. Yeah, or, I do. I can't believe it's time flies, man. It does. And this is the new podcast. Like we did a lot of the old podcast, and this is the new one. I know. I think we had like 30 or 40 giant robots episodes before Something this. Like that. So. We've been podcasting yeah. a little bit. 
Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Somebody emailed us and was like, hey, I like the podcast. Uh, I listened to an episode and I liked it. So I decided to, to catch up on the whole thing. By the way, it takes a month to binge all of Art of Product. <laughs> I love that. That was so good. It's, it's a good metric to know about. It always just surprises me every time I hear that. And, and we get this pretty often. I hear once every couple of weeks, at least, someone saying like, oh, just discovered the podcast and went through the entire back catalog. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is a lot. That is a lot of just random conversations you just consumed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense, though, because it's a story, right? Like if, if it weren't a story, you wouldn't have a reason to go back to the back catalog. But if you like hear a, the latest episode, you're like, oh, this sounds really interesting. How did they get here? And then you can kind of hear it unfold in real time. I think we've talked about this, but like I, I kind of want to do that myself some year. You know, like someday it will be amazing to go back and listen to like this exact conversation. Hi, future self. It would be cool. Like maybe maybe this is like an episode 200 or something it would be to like go back through and pull out the highlights and kind of stitch together the timeline and the story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be a lot of work. But <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it sounds fun. We should hire Tom to do it. Yeah, yeah. Tom, listen to everything we've done and then pull out the best parts. Man, <laughs> yeah. How many hours? How many hundreds thousands. of hours? And we'll pay at a certain rate. Uh, we would gosh, need to pay in thousands of dollars. I would yes. hope. <laughs> yeah. You need to pay me thousands of dollars for that. That's for sure. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we, we're going to do something a little bit special for the next episode, but it's it's less labor intensive. Yes. More, for sure. More our style. <laughs> so yeah. So that'll be good though. I think. Yeah. I think so. Uh. So stuff going on. So it's August. And I had a conversation with Steve, uh, who's been doing design work for us. He's the author of basically all our <laughs> digital assets. And looking at what he is able and willing to do and where we are at, it's looking like the original plan of having a fully real-time instant self-serve checkout thing is probably not going to happen in August, unfortunately. It's sort of semi-unfortunate. So it's, it's kind of a bummer because this was the plan and basically... I'll take the blame for this where I just, I kind of just failed to make sure all the things were going to line up correctly. Um, so it, it looks like that August date is probably not going to be hittable for like a, that's just like click, 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 you're in. It is already a self-serve sign up available. It's just, you know, this is an email flow more involved with that. Uh, basically we're missing a pricing page is the big piece. Kind of a bummer. I guess the good news there is that, well, A, we're sort of already launched and B, I have kind of a backup idea. And I was kind of inspired actually by UserList. Uh, so I saw they had their launch, I think this week on Tuesday. I noticed how they sort of positioned it is we are now out of beta. And so it was kind of like a launch, but it was kind of more just like, this has been a thing. It's just now we're saying this is a stable thing. And that is actually more the kind of distinction we're trying to draw. Because it's not like it's not launched. It's not going from zero customers to now people can use it. It's like, a, it's a real thing. So I think... <laughs> as i'm saying this i'm like man i got in trouble with the august thing by saying in public we we're gonna do a thing uh who knows this is an idea in ben's head we'll see if we do this but here's what i'm thinking is what's the position that i would like to, to have here it's actually more like tuple is now 1.0 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i mean i think the version numbering thing aligns with kind of the audience i mean developers will kind of resonate with that i would think exactly yeah like Adam had like a celebration kind of thing or like we sent him a cake when Tailwind went like 1.0. Like it's a, it's a milestone in a product's life cycle. And in any young product's life, I think our audience, like you said, will totally get it. And so I think rather than being like, oh, we're publicly launched, you can instantly sign up now. It's like, hey, guess what? It's 1.0. It's no longer beta. Slap a banner on the page or something like now 1.0. And like, I think we can, I think we can get it basically all of the benefits that we wanted without much more like design work or like having to sort of 
make the ha- the launch thing be different than what it is. Right. Because I heard you talking to Adam, pondering, you know, should I do the full big splashy launch or is like keeping the funnel constrained actually a good thing because you're still getting enough people signing up. So are you are you feeling like that system's still working pretty well? It still is. Yeah. If more people signed up, that'd be fine too. Like that's great. Like we're not at capacity um, of our ability to handle that. And I'm trying some other stuff. So I know we knocked around the ideas of some various like easier to start trials. Uh, and so I'm actually running some small tests for that right now. I guess one nice thing is we'll kind of have that like official launch launch in our pocket still. So we can still kind of use it if we want to. Yeah. Just kind of like when, when whenever you want to kind of pull out that marketable event and say like, we've now opened up the self-serve thing. You can kind of position that as a launch and mm-hmm. put it in all the places, the product hunt and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think none of this matters that much. The core things I'm seeing is like, uh, sort of like thinking about how, how we're doing people that are signing up are adding users and sticking around. Like our, our customers are expanding their use and like they're telling us that they like it and it's good. And so like, to me, that matters more than anything else. And if we're getting that right, the rest of the stuff is kind of, you know, semi mess upable and it can be, it can be suboptimal uh, and we can do just fine anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like some people use a launch as a way to like ignite a spark in something. This is kind of actually what I'm thinking about for, for static kit. Like I flipped the, the process on its head and said, I'm going to build a kernel of a product first before I do a heavy amount of like marketing for vaporware or whatever. For this, if I'm going to do, like, once I determine that, like, the beta period is done, uh, my current thinking is that I will do some kind of launch for it as a way of saying, like, this thing is ready in the world and hopefully get some circulation among the an audience of people who might find it useful and as a way to, like, jumpstart kind of the awareness and marketing engine for this thing. And in your case, you guys basically already have that rolling because you've been doing all this all this kind of marketing from day one as you build the product. And so it's less important that you kind of jumpstart a marketing engine or something with some kind of big splash. True. <laughs> and the, some other like uh, events beyond our control are kind of helping us with that too. It's like we're, we're the beneficiaries of some other like things that we didn't do. So we're just making it less necessary than for most people, I would say. So we're, we're lucky partly, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, but speaking of marketing, I had kind of a cool thing happen the other day. Um, does the name Ray Ozzy ring a bell with you? Uh, yeah, I think so. So he was the um, former CTO of Microsoft. And he created uh, Lotus Notes back in the day. I know someone that knows him. Uh, and this, he was saying like, hey, like, do you want me to pitch Tuple or like tell Ray Ozzy about Tuple? And I was like, I mean, sure. Like he's, why not? Uh, and so he's like, okay. And like 10 minutes goes by and the response comes back. Ray Ozzy has already heard of Tuple. No and way. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. So the, the marketing is, is working. Yeah. That's awesome. The word is traveling through mouths, apparently. Is he going to become a customer? <laughs> I, uh, not that I know of yet. Who knows? <laughs> but he has heard of us. That's yeah. good enough for now. Yeah. So it's just, that's just a random thing. Just like a random sort of internet software person. And it's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they, he's already bumped into you. Like, oh, mm-hmm. cool. That's mm-hmm. great. That's pretty cool. Power of the internet. Yeah, it's amazing. Sometimes people I don't even think about, like listen to, the, I find out they listen to this podcast. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like I didn't, you're a, you're an important, impressive person. I, if I'd realized you were listening, I would have <laughs> taken it more <laughs> seriously. I would have been much more stiff, much less, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> much more polished. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But 
That's cool. I think it's a good thing that we don't know who most of our listeners are. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And I like that like a podcast, despite the listenerships, like if our audience tripled, it wouldn't feel triply as intense to record with you. Right? Like there's always this like background, like, all right, we, we haven't, we know people are listening. So like, we're not quite ourselves, but the size of the audience is not felt in a visceral way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I think it's like, if we tripled overnight, it might be like, I might feel some pressure, but it's been organic the whole time anyways. So it's like, I don't know, kind mm-hmm. of boiling the frog type thing where organic and slow. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's how you win the race. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you said that you are not maybe talking about all this, the stuff that's going on in your world right now. Yeah, there's just a few things that are eclipsing a bit of my time right now that are kind of in motion, not yet public, so I can't really give details on it, but good things. Um, mm-hmm. and Can you just say them really quietly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sadly, no. Okay. <laughs> um, so I did launch the beta, actually, of Static Kit, which I don't, I think the last time we recorded, maybe I hadn't yet. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm losing mm-hmm. track of time on what i've said and what i have I remember <laughs> i think you might yeah. have but yeah cool but there are other things there are secret plans in motion this is exciting yeah yeah there's some opportunities that have come about just from talking publicly about static kit for for some promotional stuff so there's some interesting avenues to explore but my focus has been doing my own kind of market research i mean if it feels like a it's a definitely a different position where like i feel like this is technology that is useful and i think at its core do i believe that static sites are a good alternative to you know kind of the the behemoths like wordpress like yes there seems to be a trend in people using static site generators as an alternative but it's just weird that weird for me in the position i'm in that i don't still have like total clarity around who what businesses are using these today like who's actually using them as an alternative and how many how many uses are just like developers kind of learning the new technology and still playing with it on personal sites and personal blogs i mean there's a ton of that type of usage for static sites right it's like figuring out what's that angle for people who are actually using it in a business context you know is it agencies who are pitching static over wordpress for clients and and using this technology to build for them i suspect there's something there but i'm just i'm still kind of searching for that and and exploring the different angles. And I think that's that's like kind of the key thing for me to figure out to de-risk this whole product. It's not that there isn't a market today for, you know, form endpoints, but that that in and of itself is not really compelling enough. Like in order for this to be I think compelling it has to be kind of that bundle of, you know, services that you can use as your sidekick to your static site that goes beyond just forms because that's kind of sort of commoditized, sort of race to the bottom type of market where, you know, there's people selling these services for a couple dollars a month. And it's just, you know, it's just not that interesting. But I think if my hypothesis is correct, is that that there are increasing number of, you know, personal users and then segueing into business use cases using these types of sites, then I think there could be something here. But I'm just kind of still sussing that out. Got it. Well, like you said, yeah. the whole point was to not get married to anything and to put it out there and see what happens. So right, it right. makes sense that you're kind of still in research mode. Yeah, yeah. And worst case scenario, this lives on as a an elegant form endpoint collection service, which would not be a bad thing. The code I'm writing right now is just like finishing up kind of loose ends, like the ability to put in a credit card and pay for the product <laughs> because I want this to be able to stand stand on its own 
And if I determine like, oh, I've reached a dead end on this on this prospect of being able to really grow this thing to where I need it to be and I need to shift my focus, then I want this to be able to to kind of still stand on its own as a useful product that people can sign up for and pay for. So why not? Yep. <laughs> this will shock you. I like when people can uh, pay me money through the internet for a thing mm-hmm. I've done. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I'm still make things worthwhile. Still making like a couple of refactoring Rails sales every week. It's just like every so often I get an email like, oh, cool, $100. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's hard to argue with. Totally. Yeah. I've been kicking around the idea of like another thing just because I like making stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to think of something. <laughs> this is <laughs> you're gonna this is ridiculous but no 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 never mind i'm not gonna tell you about it but <laughs> there's this is exactly the backwards way to do this but for whatever reason i like thinking of a pricing model and then trying to figure out a thing i could make that would make that pricing <laughs> model make sense yeah which is so terrible but or maybe i don't know but like i don't know there's this thing about so we, so we have a if you sign up as a freelancer for tuple as of today it's a 300 dollar a year plan mm-hmm. and it's really nice to charge people $300. Mm-hmm. It's just like, <laughs> so every time I see one of those come in, I'm just like, having a way for people to give us $300 in one shot is awesome. Yeah. And so I was like, I was trying to think of courses where I was like, what could I make that had like a one week trial and then a $300 charge at the end of it? Mm-hmm. And like, I was just like trying to fit things into that shape, uh, which again is maybe, is probably not the way to do it. But I just, I love that. Like, I feel like three, about 300 bucks for a developer. It's like a yeah. nice price where it's like, okay, it's not like a total impulse purchase, um, but it's not crazy. And it's, it's like to the point where they would almost impulse purchase if, if, mm-hmm. it's, if it seems like it would be useful. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, thinking about pricing first is not, uh, is not a terrible idea. Like with Drip, I, I remember Rob early on was like, when he was telling me about, I think this is like our first conversation about the product, maybe. Because we were, we were working on Hittail at the time, which had like a $9 a month plan. And you know, that you just, that wears you down over time. Yeah, it's like, brutal. there were people who could pay 19 and I can't remember 49 or something what the tiers were, but of course, most people are paying $9 and, you know, where did 80 to 90% of the support come from? The $9 customers from the onset, he was like minimum 49 bucks. This is, and what can we do? What can we build to make the product valuable enough so that we can charge that from day one? You know, and that was kind of the, the thinking. So I've, I've always liked that approach and i think static kit that's one of the that's one of the tricky parts is like i feel like it's just gonna naturally be a little bit of a lower price point uh play unless i figure out some some angle that is like kind of no-brainer higher price point you know mm-hmm. yep yeah i remember the drip thing where like after you guys got acquired you started offering like a free plan i think it was mm-hmm. yeah uh, it looks like that's gone now by the way yeah i think i think they removed it a little while back yeah, yeah. Not not shocked with the new positioning. I thought that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Drip has lost multiple emails that I have written in the editor. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Like straight up data gone. Are you using the new editor or the old one? Uh, the old one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Ugh, I don't blame sucks. you for the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm still kind of on it because like I, we set up with it a long time ago, and like it's like, but it's now it's like it's like lost my data a few times now. Mm-hmm. We're like, I, I'll have an email and I'll save it, and I definitely click save. But somehow there's some race condition of navigating yeah. between the various tabs where like yeah. it somehow just like decides, oh yeah, throw out that email. Shoot, anyway. that sucks, man. Uh, it's it's fine. The good news is every time I have sent a test version of it to myself already, so I can just copy paste it back in. But each time it's yeah. just like, oof, my confidence. Ow. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a that's kind of a critical path. It seems like you should save the emails. Yeah. 
That's just a thought. <laughs> um, so speaking of drip, um, I was listening to one of our former episodes, our previous episodes, and we're talking about churn. And you just like kind of casually tossed out like, oh, yeah, it took us a while to get to net negative churn. Uh, and then we, and then something, something. And, and like, I was just like, cool. Anyway, talk to you next week <laughs> and listen to the podcast. I'm like, how did I not dig into that? Like, that was such yeah. an interesting little anecdote. And like, how did I just let that go by? So I made myself a note and I would like to circle back to that right now. Yeah. If that's okay with you. That is okay with me with the caveat that I might be really fuzzy on the details. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I figured. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. So what do you remember about getting to net negative churn? Um, Shoot. Well, do you remember when that episode, when, uh, when did we, when we talked about I mean, about this was like probably like, three or four episodes ago, something like that. Oh, okay. Okay. This was not so like in real time. Got it. Got it. Um, I was talking about, we had like a month where we did this. Uh, yeah. 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 And you're like, oh yeah, we did this too. I mean, I think it was after we had strongly achieved product market fit with automations and workflows and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just built into kind of the pricing model that as, as people gained more subscribers, we would automatically upgrade them through our tiers and so yeah i think it was just a matter of achieving strong enough fit where our churn started to really drop and then that we always had people upgrading automatically as their lists grew and you know as we focused effort on making the product you know gather more subscribers for people then you know we could kind of directly influence people's path up through our tiers and i think that with with per seat pricing you kind of have this a similar opportunity um mm-hmm which is kind of nice. Oh, it's super nice. Yeah. It's like more or less automatic. If the product is good enough, it's, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been spreading like really nicely that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, having worked on other businesses where the um, expansion was like pretty negligible uh, because there was not much of a value metric that sort of drove people into the higher tiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would never go back. Mm, like we, yeah. we had like having your churn, offset by expansion is just like wow it's it's amazing like the bucket is the opposite of leaky it's a self it's a self-filling bucket uh which is kind of (laughs) amazing i don't know if it i don't know if you can say it's a rarity but it's definitely not like um it's in the minority of of SaaS companies i think that are able to achieve it so yeah and even if you're not at like net negative churn just having some expansion revenue to offset some of that churn right so great like i remember so i did that pricing discussion with justin and this was like a drum i was kind of beating and be like I, I i really want to see you have a thing where people can expand up in the tiers yes. yeah uh, and, I, and i don't think i managed to convince them of that but and it's it's been such a, a huge thing for us mm-hmm. have you gotten any pushback on like per seat pricing do people have people wanted tiers instead of like every time i add a person my bill goes up kind of thing or uh, i would say the pushback takes the form like uh, like an example is like people say like well half our team pairs a lot but then the rest will probably only use this like once a week or something. And we'd rather not pay for everybody, but we'd rather, we do want everyone to have access. And so we've kicked around the ideas of different, like lower use, like a, like a, a low frequency option. But w- what we've been doing right now is just doing custom plans for people. Like we just say, all right, well, like how many people do you think will use it regularly? How many people will use it occasionally? Okay, that would be approximately this. We threw a discount of this on there. And like we basically have been offering sort of like, a custom annual plan to these folks. Uh, and that has actually worked really well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think so many times we try to look for like, what is the, you know, what is the answer that will apply to everybody when, when oftentimes like just making a few exceptions here and there. I mean, totally. once you're doing sufficiently large deals anyways, and you're doing, you know, kind of like, 
like the the contact sales enterprise plan or whatever, then mm-hmm. it's all everything's negotiable anyways. Like that that's the expectation. The nice thing is, like if you getting on a call with people, sometimes they just have a number in mind. Like somebody yeah. straight up told me, he was like, Look, I'm just trying to get this for like six thousand a year. And I was like, Okay, that works. <laughs> I just like it's done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was it was great. Uh, so it's like sometimes like they'll have a discussion internally like oh we don't want to pay this much but if we could get it to this number it's fine and mm-hmm. then like we'll we'll have a chat and i'm like that oh, yeah that sounds fair yeah yeah and if you're and if something's happening like so frequently that you're like i'm having to make this exception literally every time i talk to somebody then then that's your that's your big sign that maybe you need to adjust the core pricing model but like until you get that kind of evidence i mean it seems like just make the exceptions totally yeah and we, i've actually even added a line recently to our like hey your trial is about to end email which is like hey if you need a custom plan like just talk to us so we're we're good at figuring stuff out um and man software having a very low marginal cost means we can we can just sort of pick a number and it'll probably be okay yeah yeah beautiful mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i don't know anything else Anything um, do, anything smart and pithy you wanted to say yeah, before we wrap up? Here? Yeah, I always have to think uh, think twice. Uh, no, I think I think that's about it. I jotted down a few notes. I think I hit everything I I had written down. So cool. I'm excited to see how this hundredth episode turns out. Yeah, yeah, it should be, be interesting. Yep. Yeah, stay tuned, folks. Yep. And 99 was uh, pretty okay too. I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.